Oh boy, I need two volunteers. Uh, this is like, next week we'll have volunteers again, but this week is super easy, super simple. I need two volunteers. All you have to do is hold a piece of paper like this. Ray, volunteer, would you like to be um, uh, future again? Okay, good. Uh, another volunteer, thank you. You'll be okay standing for the 50-minute sermon? Great, thanks. Uh, you can stand over here. <laughs> That's a joke. Relax. Okay, so uh, over here we have past, and over here we have... How was that for a Vanna White move? Was that good? No? <laughs> Not good? All right, so we've got past and future. Um, uh, this is what we all face today, right now, yeah? 2020 just started, and so we've got 2019 in the rearview mirror, and we've got 2020 ahead of us. Uh, this is the fancy little thing that we call transition, the bad T word that nobody really enjoys talking about, yeah? <sighs> um, here's the funny thing. Uh, hopefully this is not earth shattering, but it, it will hopefully help to picture this a little bit. Um, what can I see uh, at the start of a new year, at the beginning of a transition? Um, I would disagree with both, or at least we're going to disagree with both for the duration of the sermon. Um, what can I see right now? I can really only see what's behind me. Does that make sense? I, I can't see what's going to happen in the future. I have no idea what's going to be out there. Um, but I do know what's behind me because I experienced it, I felt it, um, I saw it as it happened. Uh, there's a certain level of comfort from what I experienced, even if it was a bad year. There's a certain level of uh, like knowing and being comfortable with what's back there. So I can see what is behind me, which is kind of awkward, right? That's different than everything else. We don't have eyes in the back of our heads, so we can't really see behind us, even though that's a trick that you teachers like to pull, I know, right? But you can't see what's behind you, except in this kind of transition type of talk. You see what's behind you, you know what's back there. And just see this, there's good things back there, and there's bad things back there. <clears throat> and all of it is dead. <laughs> all of it is past. All of it is behind you. There's also going to be good things or bad things out there, but we don't know what those things are, and we don't know how much of each there's going to be. And we might have hopes and wishes that there's going to be more good than bad, but we don't really have a clear sense of that. And so, so, so we, we can't see what's ahead of us. Um, uh, you wake up in the middle of the night, and it's dark, and you're afraid that you're going to stub your toe. Um, you wake up in the middle of the night, and you're afraid of what might be behind the shower curtain. I don't know, right? There's a certain level of fear that comes with being in the dark and not being able to see things. And so very often when we encounter transition, um, we don't walk boldly and confidently, right? Because we can't see what's out there. We tend to walk more like this. Yeah? Am I the only one? <laughs> uh, we can't see what's out there and so so there's a certain level of fear in our hearts, there's a certain level of worry or anxiety, and, uh, and, and, and we don't usually kind of approach the future with a high level of like, yeah, let's go get them. And, and so this is kind of exactly where we are, yeah? Um, we face all kinds of transitions. As a church, facing transition, right? We're transitioning our music ministry. Um, we started a brand new Sunday school class today. 
uh, we continue to trans transition as a congregation that is built to reach a church culture where people like going to church and they know what church does uh, into being a, a church that reaches sort of a pre-churched world that that doesn't really know what church does and doesn't really care what church does, right? We're, we continue to try to transition in that way. We're all facing individual personal transitions. 2019 is dead, it's past, it's gone. 2020 is ahead of us. On a smaller level, each and every day is a transition in and of itself, right? Um, uh, January 4th, 2020 is dead, it is past, it is behind us. Um, January 5th, 2020, we don't know what's gonna happen the rest of the day. Uh, January 6, 2020, tomorrow is still unknown to us. We have no idea what's going to happen. And so um, very often uh, we have this tendency to kind of walk slowly, cautiously, with a certain level of fear or anxiety about what's going to happen. Um, we know what's behind us, right? And, and the bad things that happen, we don't want to just leave those things in the past. We don't want anything bad to carry over into 2020. And we certainly hope that 2020 won't be worse. Um, we have uh, good things that happened in 2019. We want to celebrate those, and we hope that those things carry over into 2020 and that uh, we'll have even more good things that happen to us in the year to come. But we don't know. And that affects the way that we walk. It affects the way that we approach life on a day-by-day -day basis. You, you all kind of tracking with me? Uh, this isn't really, it's not really earth-shattering. It's just kind of helpful, I think, to picture it and name the reality that we all face. And I hope that we can just kind of have a safe place this morning to be processing, like, yeah, this is where life is, whether we want it to be or not. Transition often has a way of finding us. Um, we don't have to go looking for it. And so, so look at this. Um, Isaiah 6 um, it's kind of a beautiful passage for us to be considering this morning because right from the very first line of Isaiah chapter 6, uh, we, we recognize that Isaiah and the people of God are facing a transition. All right, go ahead and put up the first slide. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. What does that mean? They're facing transition. Right? Uzziah the king has just died days ago or months ago. We don't really know. A lot of people kind of just leave this as a historical marker that lets us know, like, this is when the, the ministry of Isaiah started. That's fine. But, but it also uh, kind of tells us the heartbeat of Isaiah and the people. It tells us how they would have been walking through life. Right? Not with a great deal of confidence, but kind of with that... Um, Uzziah had some good things and some bad things about him. Um, <clears throat> uh, the, the bad thing about Uzziah, really, it's just kind of one thing. Uh, he was publicly removed from, uh, from the people uh, because he had a disease called leprosy. Uh, he had leprosy because he had disobeyed God and God struck him with leprosy. Um, the story, just kind of in a nutshell, right, uh, Uzziah had been king for quite a while. Things were going well in his kingdom. He knew that God loved him, and so he decided, I'm going to go into the holy place and offer a sacrifice to God. Sounds like a great idea, except for God had specifically kind of said, I want there to be a separation of state and church in the Old Testament, right? And, um, and so, kings, you should not go into the holy place and offer a sacrifice, and here Uzziah kind of takes this privileged spirit and he says, you know what, things are going good, God loves me, I'm going to go ahead and do what I want to do, even if I know I shouldn't. 
And uh, he goes in, he offers a sacrifice, and God strikes him with leprosy. And so he has to withdraw from public view. He has to withdraw from public circles. Nobody really has access to the king anymore. Uh, There's some stuff in our past that hasn't been good, um, that's been hard. There's a whole lot of things that are super good about Uzziah. Uzziah reigned for 52 years. That's older than most of us are, right? 52 years. He, there's, there's a certain level of stability and comfort that comes from somebody that reigns for that long. You know what he's passionate about. You know the direction that he wants to take the kingdom. You, you know uh, how he thinks, how he's going to judge certain things. He, 52, he takes the throne as a very young man, 14, 15, 16 years old, and he reigns for 52 years, right? There's just this level of comfort and stability from what was back there. But now Uzziah has died. Um, uh, Uzziah is listed under the good kings in Second uh, Kings chapter whatever. Uh, he's listed under the good kings where he, he worships God and he encourages other people to worship God. Even his name points people to, towards God. Uzziah means um, my strength is Yahweh. My strength is God. Right? So his very name points people to God. Um, at the beginning of his reign, uh, the nation of Judah would reach its peak of prosperity. So, so uh, they had never been as prosperous as they were right at that moment, and they would never be that prosperous again. That's all happening under the reign of Uzziah. This is a good king. There is good stuff in their past. But Isaiah 6 verse 1 tells us that they're experiencing that transition. It's so easy to just kind of blow past this and use it as a historical marker, but, but it gives us a safe place this morning to say, man, there was really good stuff back there, and I hope it transfers into the future. There was really good stuff back there, and, and now it's dead, and it's past, and I know it won't carry over, and I have to mourn that, and I have to experience that loss. Transition is uncomfortable because we, we can see what's behind us. We experienced it. We know it. And we don't quite know what's out there. And so it affects the way that we walk. So what God does here in this next breath is so fascinating. Um, Isaiah and all the people have their eyes down here on their worldly problems. Isaiah and the people um, have their eyes on what was behind and what they've lost. Um, Isaiah and the people are filled with fear over what's going to happen. And God comes and he gives them this incredible gift. And he says, hey, let me lift your eyes up beyond this world. And he gives them this vision of him on a throne that is unlike anything that we've seen before. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. Do you see what just happened? We just went from no king on the throne, right? The king has died to all of a sudden a king is on the throne. The void is filled. There's still a leader and a guide there for each one of us, right? I saw the Lord sitting on the throne and that Lord that's sitting on the throne is high and lifted up. It's a way of saying that, that he's bigger, he's better, um, he, he's more grander than any other king that ever was before. He's the king above all other kings. I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, and he was high and lifted up. Go ahead and go to the next one. And the train of his robe fills the temple. 
We just saw this a couple of times in the book of Jeremiah that we just finished. Um, the temple is, is this massive building, right? It, it, this is Solomon's temple, not post-exile temple. So this is like the, the temple structure that like people from all over the world would come to see. This is a massive structure that's built um, to, to honor God. And the message here is that the temple is big, but God is bigger, and the temple's massively important in the life of the people. It became so important that they idolized it, and they made it more important than it even should have been. But the message here is that the temple is important, but God is even more important. And then we get these strange creatures, right, that are flying all around the throne, and, and that's a different topic for a different day. The creatures themselves aren't important. What's important is what they say. Holy, holy, holy. Remember, this isn't a written, you know, typed culture. This is an oral culture. So when we want to emphasize something today, right, we, um, I don't know, we, when we're typing, right, we, we write it, and then we bold it, and then we italics, and then we underline it, right? That's really important. Uh, I don't know, if we're texting it, then maybe we'd, like, uh, say it with, like, you know, 20 billion exclamation points or something like that, right? I mean, we, we have our ways of emphasizing things in a, in a written culture. This is way, way before that. So the way that they emphasized something was they said it, and then they said it again, and then they said it again. This is not like a child who's just like needy for attention. This is a point of emphasis, right? This is holy, holy, holy. Uh, to be holy means that, that you are special, that you are unique, that you are set apart from, from everything else. So, so just see what the seraphim are saying, right? They're looking at the Lord who's sitting on the throne, and they're saying that that Lord is set apart from other things, everything else. And in fact, what they're saying is that the Lord sitting on the throne is set apart from things that are set apart from everything else. And in fact, what they're saying is that the Lord who's sitting on the throne is, is, is set apart from things that are set apart from things that are set apart from everything else. You see what they're doing? They're just adding emphasis on top of emphasis on top of emphasis so that you get the point that God is holy. He's distinct. He's set apart. He's different from everything. They're experiencing a king who decayed and, and, and had all kinds of trouble. God never decays and he never has any kind of trouble. They're experiencing uh, change and transition in their life. God never changes. God never has to transition. That's the whole point, right? He's different. He's distinct from everything. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. It's a way of saying uh, he's the Lord of heaven's armies. He is the, the ruler and the, the, the commander, the one in charge of, uh, of heaven's powers, right? A king, an earthly king, is in charge of the armies uh, in that nation. He's in charge of the power of that nation. The Lord that sits on the heavenly throne uh, has control of the heavenly armies. He has control of the heavenly power, and then uh, just see this last one, uh, right? The whole earth is filled with his... Now, I never really noticed this before, and we talked about it in Bible class, but, but, but actually before studying this, um, it, it made all kinds of sense, and I would always hear the song in my head, but, um, but, but I would expect a different word there. I would expect the seraphim and, and, and Isaiah to say, the whole earth is filled with his holiness. That's what the seraphim just said, Right? Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is filled with his holiness. 
um, a pastor out of Minneapolis. His name is John Piper. He's really helpful in this sense. What he says is um, that, that God's glory is actually um, God's holiness on public display for all people to see. God's holiness, uh, God's glory is God's holiness on public display for all people to see. Using our language with the kids, we might say um, God's glory is God's weightiness on public display for all people to see. God's not trying to be secretive. He's trying to be <laughs> uh, filled with good news. God's not trying to hide anything. He's trying to show you how you can live in freedom. He's trying to show you how you can walk like this instead of like this. See, the, the beautiful thing is um, there, there's so much concern, right? There's so much fear. There's so much unknown about what is to come in any transition. Um, there, there's so much weighty stuff that you experienced, right? Good stuff that, that was really big and huge and worthy of big, huge celebrations. Um, that there was really weighty stuff that was really hard and really difficult. God's bigger than all of it. And he comes and he gives Isaiah this vision that says, look, anything that was big and worthy of celebration, I just want you to know that I'm bigger. Anything that was really weighty and heavy and really hard, I just want you to know I'm weightier. I'm bigger than any transition. I'm glorious. I'm set apart. I'm distinct. I'm different than everything. And that should affect the way that we walk. We don't have to be afraid of the days that are to come. We don't have to be afraid that it will be harder. We don't have to be afraid that it won't be good. It will be good. It's going to be a great year. Because you're not going to have any trouble ever? No. <laughs> It'll be a great year because God is glorious. And he loves you. Amen? Amen. Would you give these guys a hand? They had a really tough job. <sighs> let's, uh, let's pray together. Uh, Lord Jesus, um, you, uh, you, you, you humbled yourself. You took on human flesh and you uh, chose to live and dwell among us. And, and while you were here, you showed us the glory of God. Um, you showed unconditional love. You showed unconditional power. Uh, you showed unconditional greatness. And all of those things allow us to um, leave fear behind. All those things allow us to anticipate and, and look forward to days that are to come. All of those things allow us to declare and hold on to the gospel, good news, truth, that you are glorious. There's nothing and no one bigger than you. There's nothing weightier than you. And so we know and we can, we can trust and we can move with great confidence. Uh, Father, Isaiah wasn't looking to see you that day, but you gave him this incredible vision. And so would you please um, lift our eyes? Uh, would you please give us a fresh vision of you? 
Would you help us to see you in a fresh new way so that we can um, live in the gospel truth that there's nothing and no one bigger than you. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen.